0: The time that we live in right now is a time to be vigilant and to watch. In human history, we can divide um, all of human history really into four distinct periods of time. That first time was the moment of creation, the time before original sin. We hear of this time in the beginning of the book of Genesis. The key is that Before this time, right, or in this time, God created us in a state that was in communion with Him. And then we chose to sin. And that brought us to the second period of time, which was a time that we lived in this original, original sin put with enmity to God. And until the incarnation of Christ His Son, We lived in that period the third period of time is a time in which we live today that began with the incarnation of jesus christ and will end at his second coming and then the final time right that fourth period of time is the time in which christ comes to judge the living and the dead in his kingdom reigns and has no end Jesus's entire life his entire ministry was to prepare his apostles for this time in which we live right now that third period of time and that's where we are in today's gospel we the church are the servants in which the lord has placed in charge of his household to be watchful and to care and to make his household prosper until his return. Sometimes critics of Christianity might use the reality that we are in this third time, this already but not yet of the kingdom of God, as a proof against Christianity. They may say it in a phrase such as this, well, since God became man, why is the world still a mess? Why is there still sin? Why is there still evil? Why is there still poverty? Why is there still so much suffering and awfulness in the world? And I could certainly entertain that argument and point out our, that there's a positive effect of Christianity <clears throat> On civilization. In fact, the entirety of Western civilization has to credit Christianity for its founding. From health care, to education, to the enormous works of charity for the poor, to democracy itself, has Christianity to thank. And those answers, while true, actually do nothing to address the argument that was made itself. See, the argument is this. They're stating that Jesus made a claim to make the world a better place, to form some sort of earthly utopia. And they're trying to hold Jesus to a claim that he never made. See, Jesus claimed quite the contrary. That the establishment of his kingdom, as he tells us in the Gospel of Matthew, comes to bring not peace, but the sword. To bring division. In Matthew chapter 10, he tells us further, right? You will be hated by everyone because of my name. And later in the 26th chapter of Matthew, he'll tell us that the poor you will have always with you until the end of the age. And so he certainly didn't come to eliminate poverty. He certainly didn't come to establish a world that was perfect. But he came to bring out the reign of his kingdom, and he actually came to declare war. The real reason that Christ came was to arm us with the Holy Spirit for a battle that we're in in this age. A battle that won't end until the end of time. A battle that, yes, we know ultimately He will win. But that fight's not over, and in fact, that fight has only just begun. And so we enter back into this season of Advent as we do every year, and it calls us back to return to this holiness, to turn away from our sinfulness, to turn back to Him, to take up the weapons of self sacrifice, of laying down our lives, of turning away from sin and turning toward Christ. And then in that same moment, to turn to spread the gospel. See, this fight depends on us bringing more into the fold of Christ. Yes, Christ could win the battle of Satan without us, but that wasn't his intention. Right? His intention to fight the battle and to win it was to bring all into the glory of his kingdom. And we need to fight with an urgency An urgency of the truth that many souls will be lost if we do not fight. And this is a danger we're in today in an age that is so relativistic that we embrace saying, that's your truth and you can live your truth. In an age that we say, oh, as long as he's a good person, he's going to make it to heaven. Jesus never said that. Right, Jesus told us that the road that leads to heaven is narrow, and the road that leads to hell is broad. And that road that leads road that leads to hell, the title of it is basically a good person. He calls us to virtue. He calls us to heroic love. He calls us to live for him, and to spread his gospel. Our proclamation of the gospel, brothers and sisters, is the fuel in which Jesus intended for the salvation of the world to take place, to be accomplished. Obviously, we don't have to do that on our own, and we're not supposed to do that on our own. He promised the Holy Spirit, and he gave us the Holy Spirit to compel us, to be with us, The proclamation of the gospel is not just the responsibility of Deacon and myself. It is our common responsibility as Christians. It's been my hope and my constant prayer that everything going on locally in our parishes, I speak of pastoral planning here, the tough decisions that we've had to make and the tough decisions that we'll have to implement in this coming year do not become a reason for us to become closed in on ourselves or filled with anxiety or just focused on ourselves, but will be a reminder and an impetus and a catalyst to lead us in to an apostolic age of our area. What do I mean when I say that? apostolic age in the time that the first apostles were there was a world that had not yet received the message of Jesus Christ and they went out and they proclaimed the gospel to the ends of the earth and throughout the centuries that's what happened and the evangelization meant that we went to the furthest corners of the world to societies who had yet to hear the gospel and proclaimed it. We're no longer in that time. We are now in a time that the people who have not heard the gospel are not in the far corners of the world, but are across the street from you, in the coffee shop, in your schools, in your workplaces, and yes, even in our pews. That they have not heard the gospel and embraced the truth that Jesus Christ is meant to transform and change our own lives. That's the call. The truth is this, that the areas that we once evangelized, that the European continent evangelized, that the American continent evangelized, the poorest areas of the world today are the areas where the faith is the strongest. We, in the areas in which we live, we can seem very true with our first reading today that we have turned from the Lord. We have withered away. We have fallen away from the way of righteousness. Nothing makes this more clearer to me when I look at um, the debates of our bishops in our church and I see the areas in the continent of um, Europe and Germany, I see bishops in the United States turn away from the truth of the gospel. That might be hard to hear, but yes, we have bishops who are not faithful. And who have turned away and are withering away but the ones who stand close to the truth are not and the ones who are fighting are on the asian continent or on the african continent are in the poorest areas of the world and that's where i have hope and that's where we're meant to turn in our own lives to become poor again To not look at, oh, I have so much to offer, but to look at my own poverty and what the Lord has given me and turn others towards the Lord. See, brothers and sisters, the salvation of the world is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand, and it's this time of Advent. We're called to prepare the way of the Lord to make straight his pathways.